1: The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapy is a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Rosa Renee, and welcome to another episode of the show, and welcome to part two of this episode amazing episode that i have the opportunity to interview mrs tiffany burns we're going to be talking all about money so we are in part two of the interview where we're going to be going over the real tea about debt how to pay off debt financial literacy and all that so before we start just say hey real quick sis
0: hey sis how you doing (laughs)
1: okay so we talked a lot in the last episode about money story how you and your husband got into debt we kind of even after the interview talked a little bit about y'all's debt so why don't you even share before we get into talking more about debt about what was encompassed in y'all's debt that you all paid off
0: yeah so our debt um and so i don't even remember if we touched on this part of the um in the interview but my husband and I, when we, we got married, we didn't have debt. We paid for our wedding in cash. We saved for our down payment for our first house. It's somewhere between having our first house and having our first kid. We racked up a lot of debt really quickly. So it was $91,000 once it was all said and done. Right. And so if you want to add that up. Um, We went on one road trip with my daughter and my little Nissan Altima. And I was like, okay, this is it's not going to cut it so I traded my Ultima in for uh, the third row SUV like I needed the biggest car that I could find so a lot of that was my car I think um, if I'm not mistaken it was like close to 30000 in my car we went and bought a bunch of furniture appliances for the house we um, you know, Murphy's Law, right, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So when you are living life like on, just on edge and not on autopilot almost and not really paying attention, like think that's when you give yourself a recipe for things to go wrong. And as a new homeowner, um, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, right? So then we had to replace our HVAC system. So we live in Maryland, it's hot, it's humid, it's muggy, and we needed a whole new HVAC system in our house. Um, So part of it was that. My husband um, had a a previous business that he had some tax debt um, and then we ended up getting a personal loan um, to cover that tax debt because if you owe the IRS, it is no joke. Their um, penalties, their fees, their interest will keep you in debt to them literally for life. So we, um, we got a personal loan to pay that off and I feel like the other ones were maybe just some store cards that I went and just went ham and bought christmas decorations and stuff for the house and just all kinds of i call it foolishness um because it none of it was just, it, none of it was strategic none of it was planned out it was really just us and me living my best life
1: you yeah know? wow wow so and y'all paid that off
0: in how long it took us three years to pay it off right so it took us less than two years to accumulate that debt but then it took us you know three years so i I like to tell people that part too because it didn't take us long to get in it but it took us longer to get out Mm. um but we did we were able to pay it off in three years
1: that's so good that's so good so no student loans like i thought some of of your debt was student loans but to hear y'all say like none of it was student loans Mm. one because i think so much of the millennial population has student loans and so Mm. when you hear debt or hear about debt you mostly think of student loans or you think people have student loans and here y'all had around $91,000 of no student loans.
0: Right? And so yeah. that's the that's the other part too because, you know, when people get overwhelmed by their student loans, a lot of times people with student loans have federal loans, your interest rate is really low and so even if you have, you know, six figures of, or of student loan debt, Um, your interest rate is low. We were going to get eaten alive by credit card debt if we didn't do something about it, right? Because those interest rates are so high um, on credit cards and on those personal loans and things like that. So yeah, none of that was student loans. Um, You know, I know that my story comes with a certain level of privilege. So people who, if you're not following me, my husband is white. Um, And so that comes with a certain level of privilege, right? So he was able to pay his student loans off, you know, a couple years after he graduated, right? And I know that's not the story for most Black women. It takes, um, as a demographic, it takes Black women the longest to pay off student loans. Mm-hmm. So I know our story comes with a certain level of privilege, like, you know, again, we paid that debt off in three years, because my husband is a high earner, he gets a full dollar, right? We know that there is racial um, and gender wage gaps in this country, right? So I know that this story comes with a certain level of privilege. And so I always like to preface people with that part, too, just because I understand that. But yeah, none of the, the debt that we had was student loans. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: so let's get into the juicy tea. OK, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you a little bit of background because I think that this is just super, super good for you to talk about debt. So I think sometimes we have a preconceived notion about debt and when we're creating a budget. A lot of us, especially like with my family in particular, we live on the bare minimum. Like we when I was looking at our budget actually recently because of the, all the talk about the recession, I'm always looking at our finances. Um, and I'm the one that'll like talk about and really create the budget. Nico is kind of the one that will make sure we follow it because even though I can create the budget, I'm the one that will also spend the money. Okay. <laughs> yes. So with that being said, when we look at our budget, it's very intentional. And when I looked more recently, we're on the bare minimum of everything. We don't overspend really a lot in a lot of categories. We don't really go out. We don't have cable. We don't have car notes. We don't have, like a lot of the things that would be considered debt, we basically mm-hmm. are living off of, of just the regular day-to-day. And what I realized very quickly is that, okay, so our issue is not even really debt. Our issue is really building more, getting more money into the household and really raising the finances. So, but if we're just going to talk about debt in particular, because I know that this is kind of that topic what are some basic things that we need to know when it comes to debt, especially with learning this? Because this is not something that I guess we've really been taught and really need to understand more the financial literacy and like all of those things. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So the the thing with the financial education is I think it's really, really important to make sure that you are involved and your finances are organized in some way, right? You have to have, some sort of system. It doesn't have to be an app. It could be an Excel sheet. It could be pen and paper. I, it doesn't matter, but you and you have to know what's going on. I feel like a lot of people take an ignorance is bliss approach to their finances in general. And then so they have no idea you know how much debt we are uh, in. So like my husband and I before we started really sitting down and crunching numbers, we had no idea. And what was happening was, you know, we would go out and you know open up a credit card and say, oh it's just a hundred dollars and the payment it'll be like twenty five dollars. So I could take this extra payment, right? And so you're looking at it is how much your monthly you know take home pay can absorb. And if you're not if you're not using any sort of system, if you're not tracking it, then it's going to be really easy to over leverage yourself and find yourself in a a bunch of debt and in a lot of trouble, right? And so it's really important to make sure that you're using some sort of system, that you have your eyes and hands in what's going on in your day-to-day finances and really being aware of that so that you can be proactive with how you approach debt in the future. And I think that's the biggest part of the education piece is just really having some sort of system and awareness.
1: So what would you explain to people who maybe don't have a system? What would be some basic things or would it be some basic, maybe um, apps that they could use that you like, or even like the paper pen system? Like, how would you explain creating a budget?
0: Yeah. So creating a budget, one of my favorite um, apps of all time is Mint. It's by Intuit, the creators of QuickBooks and TurboTax. They have a free app that links to your bank account. So it will automatically pull transactions in so you don't have to take extra time to pull transactions in. It does give you some like trends and things like that. So it'll show you like where you're spending your money. That's one of my like go-tos, especially if you're looking for a free app. There's a couple other ones that are out there that are popular. You need a budget. Um, Right now I'm using an app called Monarch that I really like. Their interface is really nice um, to use. And I like the way that they have everything kind of organized in the app, within the app. So it's pretty user friendly, but that one is a paid app. If you want to use it, um, message me on Instagram at the Lotus Legacy, and I have a code that you can use to get a well, discount. Put
1: I'll put it in the show notes so people can use your yeah for some, some money. Yeah,
0: yep. Let's let's do that. And then, um, so those are the apps that I would recommend. But the first thing is, is really t- it starts with awareness, just like anything else that we do trying to improve ourselves. We have to be aware of what's going on. And so many people are afraid to check their bank accounts. So many people are afraid to look back and see where they're spending their money. Um, and I think that's the most important step, because when you're creating a budget, if you just go off of the strength of what you think you spend, you will be um, pleasantly <laughs> or unpleasantly surprised at how much you actually spend. Um, and that's, like, one of the biggest aha moments that, like, all of my clients have when we're creating their money management system is how much they're actually spending. Pe- you, people are really unaware of what is happening in their day-to-day finances. So you it's really important to go back and look and see, you know, how much did you spend in restaurants? How much did you spend in food? How much did you spend shopping? Right? And so when you're making your budget going forward, you're making, you're using, like, real numbers, real data to make this budget. Um, and then the, the second thing that I teach is like, I don't teach about like sacrifice and deprivation and things like that. And so instead of saying, okay, if I spent, you know, a thousand dollars in restaurants last month, I'm going to only spend 200 this month. We both know that that is not going to work, right? That's not sustainable. That's not a sustainable change. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not going to work. So making sure that when you're trying to make edits and make adjustments, that you're doing it um, in a graceful and sustainable way. Um, Instead of just trying to crash diet your way into fixing your finances, because it's an easy way to just relapse and binge and and be worse off than you started. So, I hope that was, does that answer your question? Yeah,
1: and I think it comes with really kind of thinking of trial trial and error because the thing about a budget is it definitely has to be tested. It's not something Mm -hmm. that is just fixed just because you say. Like, I think about us a lot Mm -hmm. when we, um, make our budget. There are so many things that come up in the month. Like this month, my husband has to pay his car renewal. Well, we don't keep track every year. Whenever we got to pay his car renewal, we'll just get something in the mail. Um, or like more recently, I put us on a payment plan for one of the largest medical bills, and like that is something that a couple months ago wasn't necessarily planned out. So it's having to like readjust and move some things around um i also recently got my license so i have a lot of fees that have recently come up with getting reciprocity in different states and that cost and so it is something that you have to test out and like mm-hmm. you said i think one of the thing biggest things is not avoiding and being aware mm-hmm. which is extremely uncomfortable and i think so i want you to talk about what comes up for like clients when they are literally in the midst of feeling the discomfort of like Maybe I don't want to see this debt. I don't want to see all these numbers because it can be very uncomfortable, it's, especially when the numbers are high and it almost feels like when you're swiping a credit card, it's not a big deal or it's not a big, um, it's not like a huge issue until you really see the accumulation of these things um, play out. So can you talk about what are some of the uncomfortable feelings that come up with that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely will. I just want to go back to what you were just talking about, about, you know, the budget being tested, right? So just on average, it takes about three months of consistent budgeting for you to even start to feel like you're you're getting the hang of it. And then, like you said, life will always flow. It will always change. So my favorite type of budgeting is zero-based budgeting. So that means every month I'm giving my money some type of job to do, even if the job is to leave some cushion in my bank account, right? And so it's important to make sure that you do that so that every every dollar like every job, dollar, has a job, um, but every month is going to be different, especially as moms, right? Especially as business owners, life is going to continue to happen. And so when you do it that way, it really gives you space to honor whatever season that you're in in your life. Yeah, and so one of the things about, that I- Yeah, talk
1: mm-hmm. about zero-based budgeting because I think, um, so we use every dollar, which is the mm-hmm. african is when we use when we were paid yep. off debt. We use the free version in first. When the first time when we were paying out, there, when we first got married, we did paper and pen. And I will say, I like the app. <laughs> Baby. Because sitting with my husband every week, going over the transactions, we would write them out line by line. We would calculate mm-hmm. penny by penny. It took a lot of time, but it also required both of us to sit down for a long period. The app allows us to have some sort of both of us can kind of navigate through it. But the other thing I like about the app is it creates a zero-based budget. So talk about a zero-based budget and it's essentially what it is.
0: Yeah. So um, zero-based budgeting, like I said, is like the type of budgeting where you're assigning a job for every single dollar that is coming in. And so ultimately what you want to happen is the money that is coming in and the money that you have planned to spend or, again, like that, the line item to be a cushion. Right. So but you want to make sure that every single dollar that you have coming in has a job so that you're as intentional as possible with it. And that's my favorite type of budget. And one of the other like ways that um, used to be really popular was like the 50, 30, 20. So 50 percent of your um, income will be for your necessities. Uh, 50, 30, 30 percent will be to your wants, and then 20 percent will go to savings. The issue with that right now is inflation, right? Mm-hmm. We, um, mm-hmm. It is really, really difficult in today's age to get all of your necessities into that 50% category if you don't make a crap ton of money. So um, and so, it's really discouraging when you're seeing those numbers and you're looking at these percentages of it's way off. So I prefer to do zero-based budgeting um, for that reason, right? Like you give yourself that flexibility and that wiggle room, but then you're also being as intentional as possible with your money. I used to use the Every Dollar app. I love the Every Dollar app. I still recommend it to clients who are going to take the time, like women who I know will actually sit down and take the time to enter charges. Because if you're doing the free version of the app, then you have to go in and make sure that you're yeah, adding. Yeah, we pay
1: for stuff. it. We pay for like every year. So it's like a yearly expense, but mm-hmm. it's not yeah. that much. I want to say maybe like $100, but it's yeah. worth it because it pulls out it pulls out our savings. It pulls out our all of our transactions, which is mm-hmm. great because it... Allows us to then see who's spending, what, how it's spending. Mm-hmm. It's just really, really, really
0: beneficial for us. Yeah, yeah, that's and I forgot that they had a paid version. So yeah, let's put that one on the show. Notes too. Um, <laughs> but back to your um, other question about how how people are feeling. I mean, before I even get to my clients, I just think about how I was feeling, right? And I always equated to feeling like I knew that something wasn't right with our money, like we. Like it was just felt like we had less of it. Like I said, we were just taking on monthly payments, and then you know, before we knew it, we didn't have as much money and like wiggle room in our budget. And every single paycheck and every day, it felt like there were there was money coming out for some sort of payments. And so I felt like there was this cloud over my head. And then when we actually sat down and ran the numbers and figured out how much debt we were in, that's always tell people like that's when the rain cloud like opened up. And that's when it really started to rain. Um, and it was, it was extremely overwhelming. It was, you know, initially it was discouraging to, you know, even think about how we would get out of it. But um, again, when you know that storms don't last always, right? Um, and usually at the end of a storm, something beautiful comes out of it. And so um, we got really serious and disciplined and we paid off our debt. But usually that's the feeling, like it's overwhelmed. There's a sense of despair and, you know, hopelessness. Um, I recently worked with a client who in our initial session, she thought she had close to $60,000 in debt um, and it was double what she thought. So yeah, so those types of things, when you actually sit down and look at the numbers, those, those things can be very overwhelming. And what I like to do in my business, again, I I haven't gone through the process and working with clients and and, and testing the process, right? Um, I really like it to have clients dream at the beginning of their, at our time together, right? I I want us to think about what the vision is. I want you to think about what you want for your life. Like that money story that we talked about, like what do you want your money story to be? Um, And that gives you like a hope right, and that gives you, that gives you your why, because then when we look at these numbers, I want you to remember that, and I want you to remember that, why you're going to do the things that you're doing, and that, you know, overcoming your debt, um, you know, going past the feelings of overwhelm and hopelessness to get to the life that you want is going to be worth it.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things that um kind of can come up, one of, I know for us, when we were paying off debt, was just the feeling of, like, is this too late, like, Are we too late or too far deep into, um, all of this to, to be able to get out? Um, and just like you said, the hopelessness, and I think the dreaming part gives some sense because honestly, three years of paying off debt for you and your husband is a very small amount of time in the grand scheme of life. And that's the way I look at like dedication Mm -hmm. and time to one thing, like, this small amount of time that I'm really sacrificing to give and have a, a life that I want eventually is really small in the grand scheme of things. And so mm-hmm. I think it's very important to kind of have that mindset when it comes to debt. And I'm not saying this, y'all, because there's still some debt I got, but I still got student <laughs> loans that I'm paying. Well, I ain't gonna even, even going to keep it. I'm going to keep it fresh with y'all. Since they have put the uh, the hold up, we ain't pay the dang. I ain't, ain't going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but having that extra income, not paying towards yeah. house, has been helpful. And so I just think about some of the things that, and the choices that um, me and my husband had made. Like when I was pregnant with my son. We made a savings account for him. We've only had to pull out of that account a couple of times, but he has a little savings. So when we have to buy clothes? If we have to pay for something for him, if I want to buy him new toys, it only comes out of that reserve. So it doesn't come out of our income. And he'll get new toys all the time, but just having the piece of, this doesn't have to come out of our area. We have saved and planned for this, which has made things so helpful.
0: Yeah. So Let's talk a little
1: bit about people who have debt and they are living on the bare minimum they have a budget but they don't have a lot of income especially with inflation we've raised our gas and our groceries a couple times in the last couple of months um what can they do to increase their income what are some things or some strategies that they can do to even start paying off debt because i know they're living on the bare minimum And you don't have you have a fixed income. It's very hard to think of how do I pay that off when I don't make a lot of money in general. So, what are some things and some strategies when you're not making a ton of money?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what a time to be alive! Like, if you need to make some money, like we are in an amazing time period where there's so much money available to us to make. Right. Um, I want to say like. First, it's really important to start with your full-time job. So if you have a nine-to-five, if you are in a, you know, a career field, something that you study for, start there. Um, you know, make sure that you are getting your full dollar, right? Uh, we know that there's that racial um, and gender wage gaps. We know that diversity and inclusion are things that are high on people's priority lists in companies, and, you know, and while paid transparency isn't... Um, illegal, that is definitely something that's on um, employers' radar. So they're trying to be a lot more competitive and transparent when they're they're posting jobs and things like that. So make sure that you have open and honest conversations with your employer. Start with them. Um, putting yourself in a position that, you know, one, you are an asset to the organization and then making sure you show your receipts, right? Like we, people are out here doing you doing your job and like usually somebody else's. And make sure that you are getting compensated for that. So the first thing I would tell somebody who is looking to increase their income is start with your full-time job. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, get mentorships, talk to your supervisor, figure out what you need to do to um, negotiate that raise, right? Like what performance, what key metrics do you need to hit? Like all of those things. Start with that. Um, But if you are feeling, you know, that you are at your max at your full-time job or, um, you just don't even know if you want to stay there and you're looking for some other ways to, to make income. Um, there's entrepreneurship, okay? There is a side business for everything and everybody has some sort of talent, some sort of skill, something that they can do, something that they can make that can bring them additional income. So create your own space, right? And entrepreneurship is great because you set your price. Um, and then the last thing would be like the gig economy. We live in the age of um, Instacart, uh, Uber Eats, Fiverr, TaskRabbit, you know, Etsy, pop up shops, all of these different things where you could just go and make some quick money. So there's so, so many ways for us to be able to, to increase our income. And that is one of the ways that we paid off that. My husband um, has always been a hard worker. When I met him, he had six jobs. So um, six? So, what was he doing? Six. six. Mm-hmm. Okay. do you really want me to tell you I mean you can't <laughs> <laughs> I mean just name yeah, a couple
1: so of had, them. you could
0: just name a couple yeah, of them. so he had so he had his full-time job which at the time he was in sales he was selling um like copiers and printers when we got married and then um he was a bouncer he <laughs> he was a bouncer I'll It's have kind a of funny when I that now um he worked security at one of his other friends companies um he was like he worked for this music company. He was a narc. So he would go into restaurants and bars and, like, log the music that they were playing to make sure that they were paying licensing fees for... Like, he has the most, like, random, obscure jobs. Like, his friends either start businesses or have, like, these really random jobs and, like, try to get him in. Like, just recently, like, one of his friends tried to get him to be a bail bondsman. I'm like, bruh, like, you in your 40s now. Let's just go ahead and slow down. But, like... (laughs)
1: But no, I all think, I super gives, yeah i think that gives a perspective of just how there are options to mm-hmm. make money. right and i'll share this yeah. story so i recently signed up for um uber eats and doordash just to be like when i'm bored to be honest i just want to go make some money so i can have like money to eat out with um and I made $40 making like six deliveries. I think in total between both apps, I probably worked maybe around four hours, if Mm. I will say. So that was a lot of $40. And I was just driving, honestly, around my house. And I think I maybe I drove like 15 minutes out. But people would order, and people order food. It's just like wild how -hmm. much like just I went to, uh, McDonald's one day and I went to a random like sub shop one day and just drop it off down the street. They're like nowhere from the places. And to be able mm-hmm. to make that. So just if you don't have a job or if you have the extra time, if you're driving home from work and you have an extra two hours to spare, you can literally turn the app on and make a couple you know, extra dollars from mm-hmm. that. So just to be able to have these things available. And actually yeah. one day I wanted to uh, Popeyes to go pick up some food. And this girl said she used to do that. She said she would make close to like four hundred dollars. Um, I think want to say like four to five hundred dollars a week from yeah. just doing that. So somebody that doesn't have an income,
0: yeah, can make a
1: really good income from that. Uh, and she yeah she worked maybe a couple of days out of the week.
0: Yeah, I have a client who, um, you know, is in transition. You know, left his full time job. Was is you know, working on building his business up, but, you know, needed money. And just on the weekends could make, you know, between four and $500 doing Instacart. And then the rest of the week, he'd be spending time putting... Um, energy into his business to build his business up. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many ways that we could leverage these amazing like opportunities. And one thing that you just you mentioned a little bit ago was the time, right? So, like, if you just think about it, be like, you know, I get it. We're adults, retired, we're working full time jobs. We are, you know, parents we're moms. And to, to to just think about like going somewhere else and doing something extra so that you can earn money, you know, might seem hard, right? But we have to do things that are hard. We have to sacrifice a little bit of our time. We have to be committed to our goal, right? So if the goal is to get out of debt. And we have to understand that this is like a this is just a season. We're going to do this while we need to. And then, you know, it's not going to be something that you're retiring from.
1: Yeah. And I mean, $40, I did it two days. I did it one evening when Elijah went to sleep. I told my husband, "Say I said, hey, I'm going to drive around for a couple hours. And then one random lunch time on a Wednesday and made forty dollars. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and just to think like forty dollars may not seem like a lot, but if you do that a couple times a week, four times four is what, eighteen? That's $180. Or it's, it's four times four, eighteen. I don't want I don't want to it's, embarrass it's, myself.
0: It's sixty.
1: It's okay. It's 60. Okay. Okay. But okay but, but see, you, get, you get the point. We get the point. But yeah. $160 could take care of a bill. $160 uh-huh. could take care of X, Y, and Z. And I'm only doing that a couple hours, t- two times out of the week. And so it benefits long-term because you said on the weekends, I know I've getting notifications on the weekends from DoorDash constantly of how hey, you can make extra money on the weekends because people are ordering food, they're at home and all this kind of stuff. So drop the kids mm-hmm. off at somebody's house, work for like two, two to three hours, and make some extra money just as an option. Yeah, And then some other gigs and things that you could do. um, Again, we're in the age of social media. They have what's called Amazon affiliates. If you just Mm -hmm. even want to share on Instagram the things you bought, people have made full-time incomes on TikTok, literally sharing the things they buy on Amazon. And so these are just small ways that you can, you don't even have to attach your face to it. You could just, you know, these are creative ways to start making income. I get a little itty bitty check every month from Amazon, from things people have bought from links that I make. And that's more than what I would normally, and it's probably like maybe seven to $10 a month. But again, that's way more than what I had before. Just honestly being open to share things. Yes. And so it's so much, um. So much more that you can get just from your time and things you already do. If you're a creative, if you're someone that makes budgets, put something on Fiverr or put something on, make a, mm-hmm. make a um, downloadable that people can buy for like five to $7 and just sell it. And so these are things mm-hmm. that are very small in the grand scheme of things, but they are very, very helpful long time if you are looking to make extra money.
0: Yeah. And yeah, you just, I didn't even touch on the social media because we could go all day on how to make money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about some of the things you may know that I may not have mentioned. No, I mean, again, like you can, it's so many ways to monetize your, you know, YouTube, your podcast There's like you said, affiliate links and all of these different things. This is so many different ways. So, um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And even though, these things may take time. There isn't like, the sky's the limit honestly on what you can do. Um, I do want you to talk really quickly about like the importance of, especially like in our age group, the importance of like 401ks and thinking about retirements. Cause I know that that's something that can come up a lot especially when we quit our jobs, we may cash out our 401k or like thinking about those things like future planning. Because yeah. everybody's talking about trust fund babies and all that kind of stuff. But you got to have a trust fund to have to be able to give your baby. Hey,
0: come on, now. Um, yeah. speak on it. So, <laughs> talk, I think, like, I, again,
1: this idea of generational wealth is mm-hmm. so trendy, which is not a mm-hmm. bad thing. Like, I am not against a trend, okay, baby? I know therapy has been a trend and I am not against us prioritizing mental health. But also not living in this fantasy land of eventually we're going to be older um, and there's nothing wrong with having the mindset that you will create streams of income long-term throughout your young time. But I am going to 32 this year and baby girl is tired. <laughs> so I ain't even about 40 yet Or my son might be in <laughs> basketball and I'm like running behind him.
0: So just talk a
1: little bit about, you know, the importance of like the long-term planning, because I don't yeah. think it's like we talk about debt, we talk about budget, but we don't really get into or have the mindset of long-term planning. And I look at my mom now, who's always talking about, "I wish I put more money in my four hundred and one k," "Wish I put did that or played earlier," mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. why that's important um, for us to think about.
0: Yeah, um, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try not to go off. This is, this is really these, this, this is really one of the reasons why I started my business I in, because I know that there's so many of us like who are in like this first gen um, space where, you know, we're first gen high earners, we're first gen, um, you know, healing, like, uh, you know, all of these different things where we're the first in our families to graduate college, we're the first in our families to do a lot of things, right? By and own, so it's, own, by, yes. We own cars. Um... Yes have our our kids put them in
1: private schools or even just better education places. Like these are all the things that we're navigating without having Mm -hmm. the real understanding of how to do it. But we're also the first generation that has been given this quick rich, get rich quick scheme on a
0: constant basis without really understanding the process of like what it means to build wealth. Yes. And so you know because we're in this first gen space, right? Like, you know, again, generational wealth, like that's one of the hashtags that I, I girl, I could go, I could go in, Um, but it, we have to, that's one of the reasons why I have my clients start with their dream. One, I want you to really understand what is important to you and your life, right? Not what everybody else tells you to do, not society. I don't want you to be easily swayed by trends and things that are other people are doing. I really want you to be really solid in what you want. Um, so that's why it's important for you to have your own personal vision. I'm going to start with that. But then when we talk about generational wealth, um we are in the sandwich generation, right? So we have aging parents and then we have our kids, but we have to take care of ourselves. One of the easiest and best ways to start making sure that you have the wealth that you need is through your retirement accounts, right? And so that's the 401k at your employer, your TSP, your you know, uh 403B if you're working for a nonprofit. So all of these different retirement accounts that your employer is already offering you. Take advantage of those, right? Do not cash them out. You can roll them over and put them into um, another account, like once you leave that employer, but do not cash it out because the thing that you cannot get back is time, right? And so, just like compound interest is not your friend when you're on the receiving end of it and you have debt. And you know, you're, you're paying, it seems like you're not making any traction with your debt because you're the interest payments. It works the same way when you're investing, right? And so, if you're getting interest on the money that you have in your accounts, that time that it's in there is going to be more valuable than the actual amount that you spend. I have like all of these charts and numbers where I compare, like, if you put 200, uh, I think it was $200 in a um in, a, in, a, in an investment account over 30 years um at a really modest interest rate i think it was like eight percent the amount of money that you would get would be more than if you put double 10 years later you see what i'm saying like so it's the time that you the earlier you start the better off you'll be and you can start off smaller with less and get more in the long run so taking advantage of these 401 k like you're Your employer sponsored accounts is the easiest and best way to get started when we're really having these conversations about generational wealth, especially if they're offering you a match. They are giving you free money and we don't take it. Um, And a lot of that, you know, all of these things are connected, but some of that goes back to your system, your money management system, and your budget, and understanding how much money you need in your expenses. Because if you're thinking, okay, well, I can't put it, I can't have my employer take an extra $100 out of my account because I need to spend that within my month. We need to look at this month and see how can I afford or how can I make room to put money in something that's going to protect my future instead of just work doing that YOLO thing, right? Like I need it now um and so that
1: would be also an example of some retirement funds for people that are full-time entrepreneurs because i know i think you told me like you're a single i'm not single mom girl stay-at-home mom so like for us who Mm -hmm. may want to make investments who are full-time entrepreneurs what are some options for us as well
0: yep so then if you um so aside from your um, employee sponsored accounts the next type of account that you want to look into is some sort of um ira so an individual retirement account right so if you're an entrepreneur, they have um, step IRAs, they have simple IRAs. You could even do a solo 401k, which takes a little bit more paperwork and a little bit more setting up. And I recommend people do that with their accountants. Um, but you can set up uh, an IRA as a business owner for yourself by just going to any type of brokerage, like Fidelity, um, Schwab, any of those things, like they will help you set it up. Those are pretty simple. Um, you can have a Roth IRA, you can have a traditional IRA, but there's there's all of these retirement accounts that you can open up for yourself uh, without having it be attached to any employer that you're making automatic contributions to so that you're taking advantage of those sorts of things. And so I really, those are the two things that I really like for people to start with, and then you can get into all the fun stuff. You can get into the real estate, you can get into, you know, the stocks and trading, you can get into all of these, you know, crypto, you can get into all of these other things, but it's really important to start with those types of accounts because those accounts are tax-advantaged. So when you're looking at your 401k or those employee-sponsored accounts, you're usually getting a tax break um, right now, right? So then you're able to deduct that amount on your taxes when you file each year. But if you open up a Roth IRA, or um, you know, you're know you getting that tax benefit later. So the money that is growing is growing tax-free. So those, those are the, the best ways to get started on the generational wealth. And then I'll say one more thing, um, cause we talked a little bit about student loans because this conversation is about debt, but I think it's important for us to think when we're having these conversations about generational wealth is that we're being as proactive as possible with our children as well. And so if education is something that's important to you, um then it's going to be important for you to set up you know 529s for your kids and making sure that you're setting money aside for their future because at the current rate of college I think this there was a statistic by 2032 um the the cost of a four-year um state school would be three hundred thousand dollars girl you are lying to me yeah no at the current rate and that was actually that was that was state probably, school.
1: So basically meaning the state you live in, your child going to a school that's a state school. Meaning, yeah, was meaning also to not private. So they get more like they get more cut off, I think, financially because they're staying in state.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. And that was that that study was done pre-pandemic. So with the current inflation rates, it probably is even higher, right? So then when you're looking at your 529s and just being as proactive as possible with your children, those are investment accounts that you can have money grow for your kids instead of it sitting in just like a traditional savings account, have money grow for your children because if that's something that's important to you, then you want to make sure that you have um, those options for them as well.
1: And so- How much would you say would be a good monthly rate to start off with for like a 529?
0: So, and then, okay, so here's the other caveat, right? So I do encourage people to open up 529s for their kids. However, I want you to make sure that you put your oxygen mask on first. So we need to make sure that you have all of your stuff set up first. And then you can start to transfer money into your kids, 529s, because we also have to remember that there's scholarships, there's grants, there's ways for your children to go to college without having to pay for it. And so they can leverage those sorts of things, um, but you don't get that time back in your retirement account. So it's really important to make sure that you take care of yourself first. Um, And then the second thing, so I have three kids. And in our state, the um, max that we can deduct from their five or in our taxes each year is $2,500 per kid. So that's how much we contribute to their 529. So $7,500 total for all three. It's in an investment account that has a pretty good rate of return. Anything else that they would need for college, they're going to have to supplement through scholarships or grants. Um, and so- But thinking about then, that
1: from 18 years of time, like- right. Good amount of time, Mm -hmm. they would have really good. I mean, just thinking about that in a how much is that? Like, that's really, really good to be able to know that in long term, your kids will have way more opportunity to be able to go to school and not have to pay for that. Now, even Mm -hmm. talking too about like trust funds, because I think that's a conversation that I was talking about trust fund babies. Okay. So, talking about that too. Cause that's a like recent thing I've heard is constantly talking about like having trust fund babies or things like that. Why, how and and what is the benefit? <laughs>
0: I see you put your head down. Sis. you she on camera listen, y'all. Listen, listen. Okay, first of all, so I'm really big on language. Okay. So what well, like we're saying the word, like we gotta make sure that we're saying it right. So when we're talking about trust fund baby, like a we have to a trust, a trust is a part of your estate plan, right? And so you have to start with that. Like you need to make, you have a will. Like then do you have a trust? Your trust is basically a legal document that just tells the court and your um, executors exactly how you want every single thing in your estate handled and managed after you're gone. So my we do have a trust, right? And so the trust is where the money goes. And then that way, the kids can have it distributed how we say. Y'all are skipping steps. Like, we're skipping steps. And we're talking this about... The we're
1: when we're gone. So, like, not even really when we're talking about...
0: Being well, a- there is a there is a living trust. But, like, if we haven't... If we haven't budgeted, if we haven't paid off our debt, if we haven't... Secured our savings if we don't have retirement accounts then what's in the trust Ooh. we skip we skip some steps right we skip some steps like we're we're running we're trying to get to to the finish line and we haven't even we're not even on the on the track like we haven't even started
1: so the first so, the first step is basically like look a budget pay off your debt like let's talk through that and then because you have to your- have
0: assets mm-hmm. you have to have assets in there Right, and then if you have more debt than you have assets, then there's nothing that's in your trust. And, and basic things too, y'all. Like basic
1: things that you should think about. When I was pregnant, me and Nico got both got life insurance policies. Mm-hmm. Like if something ever mm-hmm. happened to us, we always think about this when we go on dates. It's really probably not the best thing to think about, but we always <laughs> think about what is something that what what could we do if something happened to both of us?
0: Yeah,
1: and our son doesn't have anything, mm-hmm. you'll be able to, you know, our families wouldn't have to worry about burying us because we mm-hmm. have a life insurance policy. Those are yeah. basic things that do not cost that much to be able to give for yourself so you're covered. Um, yeah. And so thinking about things like that are super important because anything can happen to you, but also just being mindful, like your budget, your the thing you do on a, on a monthly basis like having a trust fund or trust isn't as important as making sure that your money on a daily ba- daily and monthly basis is taken care of. Being able to increase your income and pay off debt towards things that are already taking from you on a consistent basis. If you have a mm-hmm. car and you want to pay it off early, that was something we did. We, we both paid our cars off early. Mm-hmm. And now we're thinking about buying a new car and it's like, we am going to buy a cash car. Like we're going to make sure before we get a car note, we can get maybe a cash car first. Because those things end up like what would be the difference of paying $300 a month versus being able to just kind of save over time and buy another car and then be about the same amount anyway, as far as like getting to point A to point B and being able to do so. And so I think, like you said, before we get so hyped on these trends, we really need to take care of what we have in front of us first, because trends are cute. But there is real work that goes into these things and you don't want to make backward steps is what I'm hearing from you.
0: Basically, right? And so that's, and that's really why I started my business, right? Like generational wealth is super important to me. I think it's important for us to be able to have this education. But I also know that there's a lot of information out there. Don't get me wrong. Like, I feel like there's still a lot of like, and I don't like the word, Literacy, like nobody ever wants to say they're illiterate in any sense of the words. I don't usually call it illiterate, no. but like, but you know, I think there's still a lot of financial education that needs to happen. Just because, like, you know, we still we are still in that generation where these things were taught in school. We didn't really have it talked about in our homes, and so we're we're that that weird generation. Um, so there's still some education that needs to happen, but there's not a lack of information available because we have phones in our hands. And so the information is available to us. There's so many free resources that you can, you know, learn how to save, pay off debt, do all the things, build, how to, you know, create a trust fund. You, there's there's resources to be able to do all of that. The problem is people aren't actually taking the steps to do it. And that's why coaching is so important for me is because we need to get you out of this, the, the mindset of wanting to do these things and, you know just desiring all of these things and actually doing it because applied uh, knowledge is not power applied knowledge is power so we have to be able to take the things that you know and actually use it and so that's really important for my business like I help people get started like you gotta start before we get to like the ultimate goal is for us to create wealth but how do we get to financial stability first How do we make sure that you have a savings account that has, well, starting with your budget, right, because your budget is your life, your finances, but then how do we create a savings account that is going to protect you so that you, you know, when life happens, you don't have to take on more debt, or, you know, if you are in between jobs or something, you have some cushion between you and life happening. Um, And then, you know, how do we... Even thinking about um, all this conversation around inflation and recession,
1: because it is super real, like,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even just the thought of like being a mom and, and can and not being able to find formula, like these are mm-hmm. hardships that come up a lot of times. And what can you do if you gotta spend a little extra money on formula to be able to make sure your kids get formula? Like those are things that come up often, but really just again, the lifeline of what you said, like your the lifeline of your money is a budget. The lifeline of your money is having awareness. Because again, pretty much your bank account is just a spreadsheet, taking money and pulling transactions, but where is Mm -hmm. it going? Mm -hmm. What happens when you swipe that card? And so Mm -hmm. I think being aware is really, really important, like you said. So kind of for you, talk about what you do, how you coach and how you educate women in this space.
0: Yeah. So, um, so again, I, I, I work with mostly with mindset, right, because whether you think you can or you think you can, you're right, right? And so I feel like there's so many times, whether we're talking about income, debt, we talk about those feelings are overwhelmed and defeated and hopelessness. Um, in order for you to be able to take action, you have to overcome those things first. And so and i like to get i said i'd like to have my clients have those dream conversations i really want you to take a second and really determine what it is that you want for your life so that you can be confident and firm in that so what we're making your plan is something that makes sense for you in your life um but yeah I, I coach my clients really around changing their relationship with money and shedding that old inherited money story that they've you know, gotten from their families or society and transitioning into something that really is helpful and productive for them. Um, until you change your relationship with money, how you feel about money, like, you know, I was a, I was in a toxic relationship with money, okay? Like, I would treat money like it was anything. Like, you can, you can come and you can go. Like, I didn't care about it. I didn't respect it, right? And so um, changing how we treat our money that is real abundance. They talks about like the abundance lifestyle. That's another thing that's trendy for people to talk about is the abundance lifestyle, but I want to show people that abundance starts now where you are and then it just kind of grows from there. So even in like you know if you're not in your the income that you, level that you're at that you want to be at, how can you show gratitude for where you are right now? And one of the best ways to do that is to be intentional with your money, and being intentional with your money means you have some sort of system and plan in place for it. So um, that's mainly what I help clients with is really just shedding their old money stories, shedding the the toxic traits and habits and patterns that they have with money, so that they can create, you know, a really solid foundation, so that they can build wealth on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But again, you have to get started yeah yeah
1: so where can people find you if they're interested in coaching uh, what can they what, what can some of the programs you have and be a part of
0: yeah so thank you um yeah so you can find me at the lotus legacy that's my main platform instagram that's my main platform um i love talking to people in the dm so if you tell me that you heard me on this podcast and just shoot me a dm like i would love that i'm a real person i'll talk back to you um But uh, I work with clients in two different ways, so group settings and then in one-on-ones. So in the one-on-ones, those are like a crash course of what I do, and it's really for people who are in some sort of almost like crisis mode, right? Like I need to figure out how to get this money together like right now, Um, because those are like an intensive session where we're just going through all of the things that we would go through in a group, but in a, a really consolidated format. And, but, and that program is really, I, I vet that program really well because that program is for people who take action, who are actual oriented. So you, you can handle the plan. You just need to help. You need to help creating the plan. Um, and then I do group coaching as well. Um, Mama's Master of Money is my group coaching program. And that's when we really take the time to um, go through the grow framework, which is helping you goal plan, um, recognize you know, where you are financially and with your current money mindset, outline everything that we need to do and then we get to work so um the next cohort for that will be started in september but if you're interested you can you know get on the wait list that you can join because if you're tired of you know feeling overwhelmed and feeling helpless and all of these things with your money and you know you want to get to wealth um but you don't know how to get started then this program is perfect for you
1: Awesome. Awesome. Okay, y'all. Well, I'm going to leave all Tiffany's information in the show notes. If you are interested in getting in contact with her, definitely reach out. Um, And I hope that you enjoyed part one and part two of this uh, podcast. And I will love to see y'all next week. And we'll talk soon. So bye.